Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Despite this racism that exists in society, I'm saying I am happy in my life. And I don't okay. just, I, 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 I socialize with anyone. I don't care what race you are because I know there are good white people. I know there are good black people. I know they're good. I know there are bad people of all different races. And I've mm. always been like that. Even it, and it was say, way before the military. But you say that, well, wait a minute, you say something else, though. You say that you're a female and that you're gay, correct? Yes, I am. Now, that should be another shot against me, right? I should be even. I should be angry. No, 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 right? no. Like, oh my God, I can't have these benefits, and I'm not no, that no, way. No, I'm no, just, no. I, no, according to the code, that means that the white supremacists have done their job. All right. Well, then, well, hey, do. their job works for me. I'm, well, thank you, white supremacists. Yes, that, that's a very important. And you say that you're. Wait, wait a minute. Hold it. And you say that you're happy. I am, and that's the truth. I'm absolutely, 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 and that fits the the old fashioned description of gay. Now, <laughs> there you go. There you hey, check out the check out my homepage. Yeah, you you're gay right and there. you're happy. You Wait a minute. Right, you now, got it now, right now, there. now, now, let's look at it. Let's look at it. That's the very part. The the first part of the discussion this evening was just about the effect that the white supremacists want to have on what they consider to be non-white people. Context of white supremacy, Gusty Renegade and Justice uh, in for another program to share constructive information on what racism, white supremacy is, and how it works. Uh, thank you all for tuning into the broadcast. Uh, I hope it is constructive. I hope it gives you some information on uh, how we can get justice rolling as soon as possible. I'm tired of being uh, mistreated uh, every day in all areas of people activity. Um, actually, uh, just got out of a seminar with uh, <laughs> Matthew Fry Jacobson. If you've been a consistent listener of the cows, he was on the program in September of 2009. And I was just in a seminar with him, and uh, I actually got sandwiched. Uh, two admitted racists, one female, one male, came and uh, bookended me uh, in terms of seatings. They, uh, one of them actually got up and moved, uh, switched seats so that they could sit next to me. Uh, very interesting seminar. Um, yeah, go back and check out the program with uh, Professor Jacobson. Very interesting. Uh, today's program, a uh, real pleasure, uh, privilege. Uh, to be able to have our guest on today. Uh, I feel this is a critical topic, um, particularly for black people. Um, the images that are coming out, I believe someone on a recent program said that they just saw a film that's supposed to be released with Martin Lawrence and I believe the other uh, black male actor was Jamie Foxx where they're supposed to be in dresses. Um, any black person that feels this is a problem 
uh, that feels this is something that we should be concerned about and paying attention to. I hope you listen to this broadcast critically. I hope you go and get our guest book. Check out his website. It is linked in the description for this program. I feel this is vital information. And uh, as I said, it is, it is a privilege to have him uh, on the program. Uh, he has authored uh, at least 16 books, um, developed his own school in the state of Georgia, um, incredible scholar, incredible author. Uh, as I said, profound honor to uh, have him on the program with us. Uh, our guest for today's program, uh, Dr. Mawalimu K. Baruti. Uh, Dr. Baruti, are you with us? Yes, I am, and it's it's good to be here. Um, it's very good to be here, especially at, at this time, and, and um, people are calling a lot of things into question more openly than they were before, and I definitely appreciate um, that, and I appreciate the appreciation. Thank you, sir. Uh, your work invaluable. I want everyone to uh, check your website. I want to make sure I'm uh, pronouncing it correctly because it is linked in the description for the program. Uh, is it Ac? Is it Acobin? It's Acobin. Am I saying Acobin? Like, okay. Um, Acobin House. Acobin House. Um, and it's in the Dinkra symbol, so people can also get the pronunciation if they look, you know, in the Dinkra dictionary. But it's Acobin. Okay. Thank you for correcting me. Aquabenhouse.com. Uh, it is in the description. Please go there. You can see how to get uh, many of his books. Sixteen of them are there. Um, excellent information. Please support uh, Aquabenhouse.com. Um, Dr. Baruti, could you please share with our listeners, for folks who uh, perhaps haven't checked out your website, have not read your material yet, could you just give a little background information about who you are, sir? Um, certainly. Um, I guess I'll start halfway there. Um, my wife and I are former um, college professors. Um, we started a homeschooling program because the school that our daughter was at was decided not to have a high school, and she was going to be in high school next year, and I received a um, dissertation fellowship, which paid my salary for that year, so I decided to keep her at home, or we decided to keep her home with me. And the three other classmates that she had, uh, their parents called and said, well, we hear that you're homeschooling, so could you take hours? And that was the beginning of this, even though this has been a lifelong dream for uh, my wife. Um, it was initiated in this way somewhat, if you will, by accident. Um, we have discovered that this is where we're more needed, so this is where we are at. <laughs> Leaving the college environment, and in the college environment, I mean, I wrote when I had to, um, when once um, leaving there, uh, the books just flowed, um, and that's, um, I guess you could say I've always loved to write, but um, the people in the community, when, when you, um, if you will, step down, if you will, and they feel that you are um, someone who they can talk to because you're now in their space more, then they will begin to ask you questions and bring up topics which require your attention um, in the best way that you can and with the talents that you've been given, and one of my talents is writing. Um, so these books, they aren't, as some people may think, um, just an exercise in, in intellectualizing. These are books that were written to answer specific questions um, that came up in the community, specific concerns that came up. Um, in the community, so all of them are addressing that. Um, we have 
um, had this homeschool now for homeschooling program. It's a full time, so it's you know at thirty seven o'clock in the morning till three thirty or six o'clock in the afternoon. We have after school folks. This is the eleventh year of that, and we're we're celebrating some some particular things this year. But one um, very important uh, discovery, if you will, for us is that this is the first time in our eleven years that every single child has come from an African centered family. So wow. You know, we didn't have to waste uh, the time that we normally do. I shouldn't say waste the time because people come to you at different points in their lives, um, and they come to you for different reasons, and they know things that you don't know, and you you know know things that they don't know. So when people get sent to you and they're in an environment where they can be exposed to who they are, then that's a benefit. So it wasn't a, a waste of time. Um, but it's, it's very gratifying. And these people are coming, these these. Uh, where you have uh, different um, aspects of being African-centered, but all of them are coming from African-centered families. And it, it is uh, very gratifying not to have to explain to the children who they are, um, not to explain, have to explain to them where they came from and who they are and that they have um, a mission that's attached to their community. Um, in this world, that's that's at times, of course, children will be children, and you might have to repeat that message, you know. <laughs> but um, they're quite clear as to who they are. They're quite clear as to the level of privilege they have, not maybe resource-wise, but the level of privilege that they have because they have had in their lives access to information and ideas and truths that other people um, have not even um, had an inkling. Um, about so this is a very exciting um, time in our lives. Um, people are um, asking a lot of the right questions. Um, the books are doing what they're supposed to do in the community, which which I guess is another part of the statement because the books. I, I'm assuming with any author, and of course I know that, that what happens when you assume, but I'm assuming with any author that they expect for their book to do something, that they expect for it to have mm. kind of an impact. And we have been so pleased with the impact um, of our books, and we have been so pleased that people have gotten what they need to get from them. So that that also is something that's very gratifying here. Outstanding. Um, I am uh, I'm eager to dive right in. Um, before I start any program, I always uh, clear with my guests, uh, you, you are a black male, is that correct? Absolutely. Okay. Um, this program, uh, Context of White Supremacy, uh, I have unfortunately concluded that we are in a global system of racism, white supremacy, and the definition that I use for racism and white supremacy is as follows, uh, a global system of people who classify themselves as white and are dedicated to abusing and or subjugating everyone in the known universe whom they classify as not white. Uh, do you believe that such a system exists, and do you think that definition is accurate? Again, I will say absolutely. And part of the problem, if I'm not interrupting, anything part of the problem is that most of us are completely and totally oblivious to that that meant aside that Bobby Wright talked about um, one of our family friends well our family friends are the Cambones, Kamau and Maria Cambone and most folks mm. from his statement at Howard University, even though 
he's been and she's been busy with this work for decades. Um, he always says that, and he's an elder of mine, he always says that you should begin every discussion, every presentation to people with the fact that we are at war. And your statement was that statement, we are at war. Um, either we're going to win or we're going to lose. And we are up against the people who have repeatedly demonstrated that they intend in every way and through every means possible possible to remove us from planet Earth. So absolutely, I agree with the statement. <clears throat> Most of the guests, oh my gosh, uh, Milestone Program. This is the 100th broadcast of the cows. Um, most of the guests who have been on the program uh, have agreed that uh, such a system does exist and that that definition is accurate. Um, I wanted to, uh, number one, I want to acknowledge that I am still learning. Uh, I am a victim of racism, white supremacy, and have been confused and given misinformation about many things. So if I am not uh, accurately presenting information about your work or if I'm not uh, sharing information that you feel is pertinent to this topic, please feel free to stop me. I don't want my, uh, my ignorance to uh, in any way uh, adversely impact the program because I feel this is very important. Um, I wanted to start um, kind of seeing if you could connect the dots in terms of things that are happening. Um, I agree with what you said. Non-white people, um, the vast majority of non-white people seem to be confused about racism, white supremacy, and a result of that is that we don't connect the dots. Um, this was an article. They were talking about uh, President Obama's grandfather. Uh, he uh, resided in Kenya. Uh, he experienced the... Uh, so-called uprisings uh, with the Mau Mau's in the late 1940s and early 1950s. Um, this is an online article, uh, and they said that uh, President Obama's uh, grandfather uh, said that they would, these would be white people, so-called British white people. Uh, they would sometimes squeeze his testicles with parallel metallic rods. They also pierced his nails and buttocks with a sharp pin with his hands and legs tied together. They go on to say, uh, according to the Harvard historian Caroline Elkins, there were reports of sexual violence and mutilation using castration pliers. In quotes, there was actually, uh, I guess, an instrument that they termed castration pliers. This was an instrument devised to crush the men's testicles. Uh, I wanted to connect that with, I hope what people know about what happened to the black male in uh, New York, uh, Mr. Abner Louima, who was sodomized by New York uh, police officers, enforcement officials. Uh, they inserted a plunger in his rectum, uh, nearly, nearly killing him. Uh, and connecting that with what happened with Emmett Till, 14-year-old black male, uh, brutally murdered and castrated uh, for whistling at a white woman, uh, 1950s. Um, and the images that I guess we see in films with Mr. Tyler Perry in dresses. I feel that all of these incidents are related. Uh, do you think that's true? And could you kind of connect the dots for our listeners? It's it's always amazing to me, and this is taking it off on a tangent because they are all connected, but um, this is a continuum. Um, the, the things that you just uh, mentioned that um, 
extremely small number of things that you just mentioned, but extremely important um, collection of events that you just mentioned. Um, if you go back and really study what happened to us in what um, in tree we call the Antoricio Tuco, which here and in the West they call the Middle Passage because that depoliticizes it. I mean, there's a, in this house there's a, there's a hallway that goes from the front of the house to the back of the house. You could call that a Middle Passage. The streets are a Middle Passage. Um, so it, it <clears> takes <throat> away the politics of it. It takes away um, what it means or should mean to African people and what um, was done to us on that. What, what you just read is a, is a litany of what went on day in and day out during that time, day in and day out during the period of our enslavement, continues day in and day out today. It's just that people have become more sophisticated in their assault against African people, and we, through menticide, have become, or cultural misorientation, however we want to state it, have become more sophisticated in pretending or acting like or rationalizing it as if it doesn't exist, as if it isn't happening, if it isn't one nation of people trying to commit genocide, against another nation of people who they see as a major threat. Um, there's, there's so much to this answer. We can start out with um, the idea of the African man being a threat to the European male, if you will, adult male. And this, this is, this is uh, an understood within the European patriarchal mind, patriarchal mind where Men are the ones who engage in battle, and yes, that was primarily who engaged in battle in our tradition and ancient, traditional ancient societies, but women were also a major part of that, unlike in European society. Um, so the men are perceived as a threat. They continue to be perceived as a threat. What has happened, in a nutshell, if you will, is that African men, as they were brought into European society, forced into this existence and, and made to believe that um, where we came from is not where we came from and not us, they have attempted to um, be accepted and become sub-assimilated, sub-integrated into European society, wherever it is. I mean, for me, when you're talking about European society, you're talking about European nation, whether you're talking about Australia, Zania, South Africa, the United States, Canada, uh, England, Sweden, what have you. This is all one nation at work. Find the same condition. In fact, you find worse conditions for black men in England than you do here, and you find them worse than in England and Australia um, compared to what's being done to black men here. Uh, at least in terms of the prison system, uh, Australia looks looks like hell, and this almost looks like heaven compared to what's being done in terms of the incarceration rate and the brutality against black men in the prison system there. But this has been a process where we have come to see their nation as our nation, and the goal has been acceptance. I, I say sub-assimilation because your, your assimilation or integration implies that there is this equality and there's an exchange and everything comes out on the same even level and the same playing field, and that is not what is happening. We get sub-assimilated and sub-integrated into their society. That force and that... Um, instilled, socialized, internalized need to have Europeans love us has moved us in the direction of changing who we are to be more uh, acceptable to them, to be more conducive uh, to their perceptions of us, to make it so that we're no longer threatening to them. So we move from 
being warriors to being uh, shuffling comms to being um, sub-integrationalists trying to go to bed with the enemy's daughters to take care of his of their daughters to um, uh, being males who were effeminized and no longer pose a threat. We, we, Nathan here and Julia here made the statement, it's, it's not your clothes they don't like, it's not you know your car they don't like, it's not your house they don't like, it's, it's not your whatever. It's you they don't like, and, and we don't get that. So we have attempted with all of our energy to become acceptable to them, for them to love us. And the driving... Um, instrument behind that has been our masculinity. Um, that was the part that was the greatest threat. So we have moved in the direction of becoming less of a masculine threat to them. The final stage, or at least the stage right now, it's not the final stage, but the, the stage that we're going through now with this is the feminization process, the homosexualization process, where because of the behaviors that we are taking on, or some of us, i got to stop saying we, some of us are taking on um, as these threatening men is that posture that's least threatening to them. And I can give you an example which began my thinking along these lines. Before then, it, it wasn't even um, an issue because I wasn't, not that I wasn't privy to this existing, it just was not something that I really paid attention to because it was so insignificant. Um, when um, my wife and I were in graduate school, every year they would have these colloquiums where you had this wine and cheese and dinner and all of the black students would come together to meet those who saw themselves as black would get together and meet each other. We were at the University of Chicago and less than, I think it's less than one, um, less than 0.5% of all the, all the graduate students were black. Um, we went to this colloquium and we were senior um, graduate students. So we walked in, you know, everybody knew our name. We didn't spend a lot of time on campus. Everybody knew our name, knew who we were, what departments we were in. So I noticed that the girls, excuse me, the women were on one side and the, I was going to say boys, but no, the men were on the other side. And um, I said, wow, this reminds me of, you know, way back when a um, elementary school dance where, you know, the, the wallflowers on each, wallflowers on each side. So I went and talked to the students. And, um, I said, how you all doing? I had a wonderful conversation. And I said, okay, well, you know, can you tell me what's going on here? Why are all the women over here and all the men over there? And one of the sisters, and I didn't take it personally, and she wasn't saying this to me. She said, what men? I said, okay, let me take my lead. I, I walked over to the brothers, and they knew who I was, too. And they said, hi, how you doing? How's it going? They had these really soft voices, these soft mannerisms. If I had been paying attention, I would have seen the soft stances. I was very angry. Um, the wife saw it at the same time, so we left, went back to Mary Student Housing. I uh, went down the hall to um, my friend's room, and I said, man, what's going on? And I used the word, I continue to use the word. It was good enough for my father, good enough for me. I said, what are all these fags doing here? And he said, they're not homosexual. He said, they have been effeminized. They hmm. have removed what they consider to be the threat to Europeans from their being, from their very essence. This is they're not faking it, they're not playing this game. This is what they have made themselves into because they see the European as having the power. They want mm. to be 
have a piece of that power, they want to be accepted into those circles, and they know that the European will not accept them into these circles if they act like they're men. Then I begin to look around and begin to see this on virtually all of the campuses in the graduate schools. And that's not all of the, the men. They were ample, like, you know, myself and, and the brother in the dorm, I mean, in Mary Street Housing, but it was like growing as a trend. And I hadn't noticed it. It was happening right before my face. And I hadn't noticed it because I didn't spend a lot of time on campus. Um, wow. That, wow. That, that scared me. That that really scared me because I'm I'm you know when you're a social scientist, one of the main things that you do is you you try to forecast, you try to predict predict where trends are going to take you. you mm. know, where, where is okay? You see this in the prison system twenty years ago, this ten years ago, this now. Where is that trend? What is the trajectory of that? And when I begin to look around and see this, the trajectories scare me. And what I'm seeing today match. You know, I'm not this statistician type person, but they match what I expected to see today. You have, in the social science we have, you have a, a, a you know, positive correlation where you have this, this line, this regression line, which shows that there's a relationship between two things, and it's, if there's a positive relationship, that line goes up. What, we've, what I have seen within the last 10 or 15 years really has been what we call a curvilinear regression where the line doesn't just you know go up as a positive relationship it starts to skyrocket so within a very short period of time it covers the change in let's say 10 years which should have taken 80 or 90 years to cover so we're we're in the in the midst of a process that has taken on a life of its own um because being African or being black is a mis is, is a problem. So people don't want to be associated with each other based upon race. We we've, we've been convinced of that. Um, the desire to be and act like Europeans because they are the ones who are supposed to have power has taken on with our children um, like crazy. And the images that they see, taking it to Tyler Perry, who stopped traffic for I believe four square blocks here when he opened up shop here in Atlanta. Um, mm. It has taken off at an incredible level, and it's not just the mothers who are doing this, and there's a, there's a, a lot of fault to lay there. It's a lot of the fathers who are part of this process, too, by what they're doing and what they're not doing. This, I'm, I hear um, mothers say, and this is only because I don't talk to fathers too much about this. Um, I don't interact with them at this level because most of the people who I see when I'm dealing with students are the mothers. And those who will end up not having their children here anyway, because they know what we're about, um, they will say, oh, I'm not trying to, you know, raise my son into this man thing. I just want him to be a good person. And so, so you just negated the whole concept of manhood. You said that a, a grown man can, can be, can be a, a, everything that a woman is supposed to be. Hmm. So there's a... Uh, this is natural. The, the, the question for us in terms of this trajectory is where is it going now? What is the next stage of this? Um, and I think that I have some pretty good ideas on it. Um, and, of course, whenever I talk about them, I just say the same thing my mother used to say to me whenever I wouldn't believe something that she was telling me. She said, mark my word. And the things that mm -hmm. I marked my word on before, people were saying, oh, 
yeah, you said that. I said, yes, I did say that. <laughs> you know, these folks are not playing with us. They want us removed. The problem now is going to be when folks realize that it's not our mannerisms that they don't like. It's not the masculinity that they don't like, even though they're deathly afraid of it. Okay, They're afraid of African women as they are of African men. That's got nothing to do with it. It's us they don't like. So no matter what we do, no matter how we change our posture, no matter how many times, uh, as they say, you, you, you walk without moving your butt cheeks, it doesn't make a difference what you do. You're going to still be a problem, and you're going to have to try to find even greater and greater ways to make yourself into what you are not. Invisible man, you know, it's, it's, he's he's not dead. He's 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 very alive within our community. Wow! If, if someone someone were to ask me in a general way, how do you correct this? Well, we have to begin to look at ourselves and look into ourselves and look toward ourselves for definitions of who we are. As long as we're looking to somebody else for validation, as long as we're looking to somebody else for you know approval and to maybe lend us some of their power. Uh, then they're going to take us exactly where they want us to be, and that is in a subservient position or dead. Mm. Again, uh, our guest for today's program, uh, author of Homosexuality and the Effeminization of African Males, uh, Dr. Mawalimu K. Baruti. Um I wanted to throw in uh, one more uh, example that I think uh, another illustration of the exact same trend in the system of white supremacy, uh, bullfighting. Uh, the bull is killed and castrated. I don't know uh, how many people are familiar with that. Uh, I think throw that in. That fits exactly with uh, Abner Louima, the example uh, that I read of President Obama's grandfather, uh, Emmett Till, uh, and I think uh, it ties right into Dr. Francis Cress Welsing's theory of white genetic annihilation. Um, do you think uh, her theory, do you think that helps to explain why white people would be doing this, attacking uh, black masculinity, uh, and sometimes focusing explicitly uh, on black male testicles and genitalia? Uh, the ISIS Papers is a masterpiece. Um, mm. I, I don't think that it needs to stand um, alone per se. I mean, we've got when you when you began that statement, you you started out with the with the matador and the bull, and that's you know Bobby E. Wright is a major part um, of that discussion, and there are others that are a major part of that discussion. And I have a few minor issues, minor um, issues with. Um, Europeans responding to us in a particular way because we pushed them off of the continent, if you will, and they're angry with their mother. Even even though if that works for some people, that's fine with me. What's important is that they understand that there's an issue, that there's a problem. <clears throat> but her uh, theories um, and the ISIS paper is is full of some some wonderful ones. Um, I think that they're very appropriate. Um, they have an enormous explanatory power in terms of why Europeans are targeting not just black males, particular aspects of the black male. Their fixation on the penis is it, it, it's one of the one of the things that she touches on and she doesn't touch on it that she deals with 
and uh, a lot of people I don't think delve deeply enough into it is to the um, uh, sexual center of their psychological analysis. Um, we know about Freud, but most folks don't understand what he said about white folks um, and why he focused on every um, psychotic and neurotic state as being somehow having a sexual origin and somehow being sexually determined or sexually determinate um, in Europeans. Um, Francis Chris Welsing has done a wonderful job of using analogies to help people to understand that it's more to this than just uh, that whatever's dangling from you and they saw it and just decided to snatch that off because they didn't have anything else to grab. Um, they understand their absence, and I'm trying not to re repeat what she said, but they understand their absence. They understand uh, their genetic uh, recessiveness. They understand that they lack that white means that you are absent um, of color. And when you're dealing with children, then you're dealing with, and you're dealing with children who have a lot of, of um, destructive toys um, and have a lot of, of power, um, then you're dealing with a um, people who um, seek to destroy whatever it is they feel is giving someone else power and not giving them power. And they hope to, in the process, as she said, ingest that power somehow mm. so that they can claim it, so that they can have it, so that they can be what it is that they know that they can never possibly be. Um, so the, the targeting of the um, men's um, uh, penis, genitalia, all the rest of that, that's understandable because that's the great thing <laughs> to them. Of course, it's also interesting and... Um, I would argue that this doesn't fit within her theory as well, uh, and she doesn't need to explain everything. She absolutely doesn't need to explain everything. She's, she's explained enough. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the way that European males, um, as they uh, colonized the world, what they did to African women and indigenous women in this land's vaginas, a lot of people don't know the, that on the saddle, you have that horn in the front of the saddle. Even yes, though sir. Even used for holding on, et cetera, et cetera. When they went out to kill indigenous people because they were paid, the same thing went on in Australia, they were paid for however many that they killed. They would cut out the vagina. They would cut out the, the, the part, the, uh, I, don't, I would say, you know, an inch in all the way <clears> around, and they would hang that over those um, hooks on the front of the saddle and they would bring them back and that would be the body count in terms of how they got paid because you know that if you cut that off of a woman you know she's dead they did the same thing in Australia uh, we forget Leopold's um, soldiers when they went out to do their damage to do their dirt they would cut the breasts off of African women and they would take the fat out of it and they would let it dry, and they would put buttons or zippers on it, and they turn them into purses. So if the, the the while the focal point on the black male is his penis, on the black female 
is everything that has to do with reproduction also. The difference is, and Chris Wilson brought this out exceptionally well, and I hope that I'm not misstating her, um, is that the male's penis was where the color was injected into the vagina. And this is what they were trying to stop. And they wanted the power from this. So uh, I don't have any problem whatsoever with Wilson's uh, theories. And, and we, we, we might have a, a difference here and there on the ages that people should be getting married, and I, I dealt with that in complementarity. Uh, I don't disagree on terms of the maturity, but I disagree in terms of the weight. We need to focus more energy, as far as I'm concerned, on making the people more mature so they don't have to wait versus having them wait so that they can get the maturity. Mm, understood. Understood. I, I want to definitely give the address again. I'm going to try and do it as often as I can during the broadcast. Uh, com. That's where you can go and please support Dr. Baruti. You can get uh, homosexuality and the effeminization of African males as well as uh, many of his other titles. Please uh, support and get his work. Um, also, I, I definitely am familiar uh, and thoroughly enjoyed, learned a lot uh, from Bobby E. Wright, author of Psychopathic Racial Personalities and Other Essays. Fantastic work. I would highly recommend it uh, to folks listening to the broadcast. Um, you talk about how under the system of white supremacy, um, the educational system uh, is set up to maintain racism, to maintain white domination. And you have a, a portion in your book where you talk about the confusion of the Negro intellectual. Um, can, you, can you explain uh, how miseducation is supposed to uh, aid this process of effeminization and homosexuality amongst black males? Oh, I would say in a number of ways miseducation does. And, in fact, um, I tend not to say miseducation anymore. I tend to say diseducation. Hmm. I believe that Carter G. Wilson was 190% on point, and I'm not just saying that all these people are on point because it makes them sound good because their names everybody know, but I recognize them as being on point. At that particular point in time, Carter G. Wilson couldn't have been more correct. Um, people were be giving, being given uh, information, ideas, uh, technology, if you will, intellectual technology that did not fit our needs, that it would direct us to where, I mean, why do we need Greek, Greek, and to, you know, to be masters of Latin or what have you? It had nothing to do with what we needed to build at that time. Now I would argue that it has moved beyond miseducation and has evolved into um, diseducation. Diseducation, to me, uh, means that you are making people not even wanting to think so the idea of thinking has become abhorred. We see that very clearly in our children, where thinking is equated with work, and work is something that they have been taught is something for inferiors. It's not something that they want to do. It's something that is for inferiors. So the, the idea of thinking is a working process. In addition, they have been taught through the media and through the arrogance of spoilage, which is not their doing, that no one can tell them anything. One of the elders who made his transition about a year and a half ago, he made the point, you know, you can't tell them anything. Of course, we have children who you can, but he's speaking in general. Mm -hmm. So when you, no one can tell you anything and you think that you know everything already, then your thinking process is already um, severed. So the, the diseducation part is that we have um, 
a large collection of people who essentially know nothing but what they're fed by a media that's trying to destroy them, and they think that uh, regurgitating this is thinking. So thinking has been redefined as just the regurgitation of whatever it is that you've heard. And, of course, the experts there still are not us. <laughs> they, they still uh, – um, I remember teaching um, a college course, and I was – I forgot what I was talking about. But this um, student, one of our sons, asked me for evidence from a white scholar. And I'm like, this is at, a, at a HBCU. And wow. Asking me, oh, there were a number of things that really surprised us. Uh, one of the main things we saw, and I'm trying not to get off track, but one of one of the main things that we saw was that because no, it is this is directly related. This is directly related because, and my wife was the first one to notice this, because they have not been given our story. They don't know our history. They don't know what really happened to us. They don't know how we got to this point. They don't know why we have this range of color in our community, which was not a result of volunteering anything. It was a matter of systematic rape over 12 generations and across the ocean and into the dungeons and on the coffin lines. This was systematic rape, which is how we have this range of color. Um, she discovered that she's trying to explain to them about the moral value of African people, about how you know, a few decades ago we considered ourselves to be morally uh, superior to Europeans, particularly in the areas of sexual behavior. Um, but because they were never taught about this, because they're not aware of this, their whole conception of the way things should be is based upon what we see now because this is the way that they believe that it's always been. If you have no conception whatsoever of history or our story, then what you see today is all you know and you naturally assume, oh, this is the way that it's always been. Oh, homosexuality has always been a part of the African community. Oh, you know, all of these things just seem normal because this is what you see and this is what the media pushes. Mm. Retrogressive, and, it, and it, it even does cowboy movies where there was homosexuality in our community. Um, even goes back to, you know, movies from, you know, two, three, four hundred years ago. And there's homosexuality in our community just like it's in our community today. So without a knowledge of the way things have been, which is a function of those people who are in the position to make what needs to be known known. When you talk about Negroes and Negro intellectuals, their loyalty is not to African people. It can't be African people because if it was, then they wouldn't be in the positions that they're in. Between um, really 19, uh, really about 1990, but a little bit before, um, and 2000, there was a systematic movement across the country to remove, quote-unquote, radical revolutionary scholars from academia. And you saw <laughs> evidence of this all across the country where um, people like me, who spoke an African truth were their lives were either made so miserable they quit or there was a reason found to fire them. This went on systematically across the country. It wasn't just at the school that I was at where I saw at least one faculty leave every year. Um, it is, was systematic because this country and our community, along with the Negro leadership, it's like the Negro leadership, legal leadership, misleadership had been pushed to the side with the 60s and 70s movements 
and um, the keeping that information or keeping that thrust um, down made it so that people thought that we had made it. Um, mm. Once this occurred, then you don't need radicals, which is a misnomer because all of us think that. But you don't need radicals. You need don't need revolutionaries. So that was the time where you begin to see these Negroes come into positions of intellectual influence, where they begin to receive the chairs. And there was a, a lot of retirement and transitions um, among those of us who had dedicated our lives to this. And these individuals were not replaced with other revolutionaries, with other warriors. They were replaced with Negroes. So the dominant themes, the dominant conversations within academia in the Africana Studies programs and the African-American Studies programs and the Black Studies and the Sociology and the Anthropology and the Chemitology, these are Negroes for the most part. And their job, the Negroes' job, pure and simple, the Negroes' job is to validate white supremacy. His job is to get as many crumbs as he can, if we put it in simple terms, to get as many crumbs as he can and to make sure that those people who come under him and through him have the correct Negro mentality because if they don't, he won't keep his job for long because the people who have him under their thumb expect him to do the work of only sending them, of only training other Negroes. So you come into the class and you're writing a, a paper about Nat Turner or Bookman and, and you're, you're correcting what have you and, and you want to check, put a check on homosexuality, what have you, you're not going to make it through the school. There was a, a beautiful example of this in, um, I believe it was, it wasn't Manchild in the Promised Land, which interestingly has some homosexual themes in there and some uh, love of white folks themes in there. You had to go back and read this stuff. Um, I, believe, I don't think it was black boy it might have been native son but this 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 young man was in college and i believe it was tuskegee i'm not sure um but he messed up he did something really really bad so he got kicked mm -hmm. out of the school and the either the president of the school or some high-ranking um, official in the school who was a family friend or what have you called him to his office he gave him a letter to you know take to new york where he was going to be looking for a job and this was a letter mm -hmm. of introduction he went to New York, got a job. He later found out that the letter said, keep this nigger running. That's all the letter said. To me, when I read that, my mind said, Negro. He knows his job. He knows exactly what he's supposed to do in service to white supremacy. He doesn't have any questions about it. We, got, we have all kinds of people. We got um, what I call lost souls, people who... Don't bring me to politics. I don't want to hear anything about that. I don't really want to associate with you because they probably coming to kill you, and I don't want to get killed in the process. You know, let me watch my soap so you know everyone comes along. You know those those are what my mother called lost souls. But then you have another category, and there are you know numbers of different categories within them and around them. But this other category is of Negroes, and Negroes know that their job is to destroy Africans. They know what they're here for, and they don't care. And they do the job of destroying Africans with great relish. And we're confused because they look like us. Okay, just like many of us would be confused if we looked at Clarence Thomas. Okay, But these individuals look like us, and they're 
very nepotistic in terms of who they hire and, and who they keep around. You I mean you have to prove yourself well if you want to be a good Negro and receive the benefits from this. Um, and their job is to present European culture, European traditions as our ideal, as the way we're supposed to be. And that's a major part of the point that I think people need to understand now. This is European society and culture. We call it America. We can call it Australia. We call it whatever we want to, but they are one nation. They have never left their traditions. They may have hidden them for a period of time when they started dealing with people because they knew. You know how people will respond to you if it's a family-centered, child-centered society and you're a pedophile or you're a people mm. pedophile. Uh, you're not going to make any road, inroads in trade, your religion, or anything else. So knowing that this is what these people are and you want to it's sometime in the future, you want to dominate them and control them and take their resources or, in fact, have them in such a state of mind that they would be more than willing to give you their resources, then you can't come in with that. It means you have to hide your nature. And they did this very well, but they never left their traditions, particularly in what I call old Europe, which is the norm European society, Sweden, England, Norway, all the rest of it. That's old Europe. This is what we're living in is new Europe. Australia is part of new Europe, but it's all still one nation. Um, so they hid these things from us as we became more um, entwined with them in terms of being with them so long and being disconnected from who we were and, and being uh, susceptible to ideas of black inferiority and, all, and white superiority, um, then they were able to begin the process of schooling us into what they needed us to be, into that backdoor mentality that Carter G. Woodson um, talked about. They did this not only in the areas of economics, which is really evident in our community, and politics was evident in our community. They also did this in the area of sexual behavior and that institution, if you will. Um, so they are, as I like to say, we are in school. And right now we're probably like maybe in middle school, getting ready to graduate to high school, if you're talking about an educational career that goes in the postdoctorate. In terms of our approximating their sexual insanity, Okay, that's how far we still have to go, but this is also how far we have come. Homosexuality, in terms of it being accepted, is probably like right in the middle of that educational career. Mm -hmm. And um, what we don't do when we're assessing, because people always ask, well, we're, you know, this is, this is about as bad as you can get, and I said, no, it's not. And, okay, well, what's next? Where are we going? If you really want to understand what's going to happen when we get to college, then you have to look at Europeans in their classic society. You have to look. The people, when, when you say a classic society, just like when you say classic African society, that's when we were our best. That's when um, you could look at us and see the quality of our character at the spiritual level. You could see our greatness, if you will. When you're talking about a people's classic society or classic civilization so if you want to know where europeans are trying to take us excuse me are in the process of taking us then you have to look at classic roman and greek society and classic roman and greek society in terms of sexual behavior were primarily pedophilic the primary form of relationship was homosexuality and the primary form of homosexual relationships was between an adult and a child primarily a man and a boy 
So mm-hmm. all, right now all you hear is the homosexuals because they know where they're trying to take us, and some of them aren't even denying it. But they know that we're not ready for that quite yet. We're, we're still just starting high school. So they know that that's something that would turn us instantly away from them and turn us into people who would see them as not this innocent gay thing that they want us to see. And gay, of course, is a very political word. So they are in denial that they are pedophiles. They're in denial that homosexuality is pedophilic in its nature. But if you want to know where we're going, where they're trying to take us, back to who they are, then you've got to look at their classic society. And that tells you the word. You know, it's, it's like the difference between um, what somebody says and what somebody does. You can, <clears throat> you can look at how they have moved us. There was a process of moving us toward the acceptance of homosexuality that began with the rape and was accelerated in the 60s and 70s with the sexual revolution, which really was aimed at white women, but we were caught up in it too. So this is taking us to a particular place. They have moved us in the talk shows to where um, incest is, no, is, is rapidly becoming no longer an issue. They have opened up the prisons to allow the rape to occur. There is so much rape going on now that it's not funny. Trains are not even talked about anymore in terms of the rape of girls and the rape of women. I've talked to female homosexualized African females who see their life's mission as turning out African girls, turning them into homosexuals. We look around the world, all of the child stealing, people call it the adoption, all of the child stealing that Europeans are doing around this planet, all of the judges in the court system who are handing our children over to not only European individuals and couples, but also to homosexual, or excuse me, openly homosexual European couples. It's a whole other discussion why I really don't like to say homosexual Europeans because to me to say European is to say homosexual based upon their story. You know, like as a social scientist, you want to find out what a people are about, uh, their priorities, what they love, what they don't like, then you follow them historically. And if there's something that you consistently find in a people's behavior and in their environment and in their work from the beginning of their, I don't, I don't want to say civilized, uh, social existence, and that exists now, then you know that characterizes them. And you find homosexuality back into the case. So this has always been a part of them. You find bestiality all the way back into the case. This is a part of them. So for me, it's to say European is to say homosexual. And some people will want to argue with that because their best buddy is blah, blah, blah. Well, in that case, you do have some Europeans who are in denial. You do have some closet homosexuals within the European uh, community. I don't think you have any within the African community. And that's why... When I talk about Africans who behave homosexually or in an effeminate fashion, I say that they are homosexualized Africans or effeminized Africans because this is something that happened to them. This isn't normal or natural to their being. Wow. Again, our guest for today's program, uh, author of Homosexuality and the Effeminization of African Males, uh, Dr. Mawalimu K. Baruti. Um you talked about how this is a process and how you have observed um, this conditioning, this programming uh, take place. Uh, I think 
a big part of that programming is through entertainment. And uh, in your book, you, you have a portion where you talk about uh, the production of effeminate African elites. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm just, I know a lot of people, they look at the Tyler Perry films, and yes, that is obvious illustration of what we're talking about. But um, there's a long history uh, of this sort of thing with uh, black uh, entertainers. I know uh, Martin Lawrence, uh, is, as I said at the beginning of the broadcast, he's supposed to be doing a film with Jamie Foxx, I believe, where they're going to be in dresses. Um, his sitcom, Martin, The Martin Show, uh, he was famous for playing a female, Shanae being in a dress. Um, Flip Wilson uh, on his program, one of his famous characters, uh, being in a dress. Uh, Richard Pryor, uh, the film The Toy with Jackie Gleason, uh, he was not only bought by a white child to be a toy, uh, he started out the film as a maid in a dress serving chicken to white men. Uh, Eddie Murphy in a dress for uh, The Nutty Professor, Um, Damon Wayans and David Allen Greer uh, in in Living Color, the sitcom back in the early 90s. uh, One of their famous sketches was them playing uh, gay males. Um, Can you talk about how you've kind of seen this process in terms of uh, entertainment uh, with black males? Well, we can start out with um, understanding how attached we are to the media. Um, Mm. I always look at our attachment to the media as being uh, more of a drug than for anybody else. Um, people who um, are systematically oppressed, um, they, they, they tend to systematically look for outlets. And there's a reason why we're more connected, um, us being more emotional naturally than um, other people, if you will. It, it makes it easier for that to happen. Um, but the... Um, fact that, and, and Browder talked about it in the Browder Files, a number of people have talked about it. Browder mentioned 70 hours of television time a week. You know, that's that's like 10 hours a day. Mm. We're sitting up in front of this thing and, you know, games and the movies and all the rest of this. So it is it is the primary mechanism of socialization. Um, not just the TV, but media, period, entertainment, period. Um, it's it's interesting to me, this is, is another aside, that the comedy is more directed toward us than, than um, anyone else. And it's almost like the saying that you, you, you um, laugh so much to keep from crying. Because what is happening to us is far from funny. Um, but to make it appear or to make us uh, allow us to live with this and to make it so that we can continue to operate like um, we are living versus just surviving, then comedy plays a a very critical role in this. Um, When I was a child, um, all of the the black boys on the block um, either wanted to be a doctor or a lawyer or a police officer or a spy because those were the shows that were on. You know, I Spy, Market Welby, these were the shows that were on, Starsky and Hutch, this was what you saw, and these were the models for what we want to be. And people sit up in denial now that, oh, well, you know, I'm just an individual and I'm going to be what I want to be, and, and no one is influencing that except for me. Like some people walk around talking about, I don't practice anybody's culture. These images if, if influence all aspects of our lives. So you see a little boy looking through XXL or the source of Vibe magazine, and the next thing you know, if he's got the money, he's going to look like somebody in there. 
just like back in the day, we would look at GQ magazine and we would be trying to look like what was in these magazines. So the images that are portrayed, they are portrayed in such a way that these are images of success. This is what is hip. This is, this is what will make you cool. Of course, in order for you to have that, you must have a weakened personality that looks outside of itself in order to be itself. So you have raised through now increasingly spoilage, but also before through powerlessness, uh, a people or a significant um, a part of a people who um, were needy who are very needy in terms of wanting to be appreciated, needing other p- people to uh, give them approval um, constantly, not knowing that Europeans are the ones who need approval more than anybody else, but needing approval. And when you uh, train a people to be needy, to need approval, then you can regulate and control what it is that they want to wear, what it is that they want to eat, and what kind of a person they want to be like. Um there are, when you have a growing significant number of people who are um, the um, number one people in entertainment or sports or what have you who are homosexualized, well, then why would it make sense for a child who wants to become successful to see that as a problem, especially when there's nothing in that society that says anything that's wrong with that? In fact, everything in that society is seeing that is correct. There's so many aspects of this. I look at the, the generation gap where in the West, and that's not part of our tradition, Over to Shaka brought that out very well in the book, is this is not part of our tradition. What you have in the West is this complete rebellion from the parents, the idea of trying to be the exact opposite of what they are. And this helps to feed through the media the direction that the rebellion of these past two generations, if you will, um, particularly the past one, have taken. And the target has been heterosexuality. They've used that as the thing that you most don't want to be like with your parents, the thing that makes them the squares is that their sexual lives are so limited and so um, abnormal and that, that you want to have all this excitement and continuous. And, and, of course, this was fed before that by sexual excess, which was brought in in the 60s and the 70s. So the idea of homosexuality as being abnormal is losing, of course, it never had it in the in European culture and society, but is losing um, uh it's it's thrust in terms of it being a problem, in terms of it being an issue. And, in fact, it is taking on the exact opposite because it's being promoted. Oprah did some serious damage to the idea of homosexuality as being a problem in our community. She did some major damage um, to that as a, as a problematic um, concept, concept. I remember a show where she had where this black male who was married to this white female, which, of course, is extremely problematic from the get, but she had been dressing up their son in girl stuff had been putting on his fingernails because he had decided, and we pretend that this doesn't happen within a social context, even though we want to argue that everything else does, that um, he wanted to be a girl. So mom, against dad's wishes, had gone ahead and done this. So he, and I don't know what kind of fool would do this in the first place, but had volunteered to come on Oprah to defend his position. Um Anybody who should know better than to try to defend a position that is 
anti-European on a show like Oprah's show. Oprah spent the entire show working with the audience to convince this black male that he was wrong for trying to turn make his son grow up to be a man. And they finally convinced him that he was wrong for doing this. And you you see this on all of these shows. You gotta you gotta, we have to understand if Oprah says read this book, the the sales of that book skyrocket. If Oprah says go to this restaurant and buy this particular food, the the the, the restaurant can't take care of all the business that's coming to it. So these people have been put put in positions of authority and influence in the media by other people who are higher up, much higher up than them, um, and. We follow suit because they're supposed to be the authorities on who we are and what we're supposed to be um, about. Of course, the image of the black man as a black man has to be destroyed, and we've had a whole collection of those who would prefer to um, be a maid on television than be a maid in real life. We have an enormous number of them. The Wayans, you go down the list, all those names that you just mentioned, um, all these individuals their loyalty is not to us. Um, one of the things that John Harry Clark harped on all the time, the absence of accountability in our community. And if you don't have accountability that is uh, meaningful, that can be enforced, then if you don't have control of the resources and control over everything else or don't have a vision of that, then you can't keep people loyal. You can't make people want to be who they are and who you are. So this Hollywood thing is naturally taking us to where they want us to be through our children. The adults aren't the target. The children are the target. You can change the children. If you, if you change the children, you change one generation of children, let's know two generations of children, then the discussion is over because your truth will be their truth, and that's the only truth they'll know, and that's what they're going to teach to their children. And then if you come to them with anything that doesn't jive with that, like you are an African or these are your traditions, then you're the one that's going to be crazy because they know that what they have been taught by the truth. The media would never – I remember being in – another example, in teaching a class in college and arguing – well, not really arguing, but because to me it was kind of funny. Um, this guy had was talking about this study where we were talking about interracial relations. And this guy was talking about this study. He said, yeah, well, there's a, a study that says that um, uh, Asian girls, Asian women have the best sexual fit with um, black men. And the study hmm. showed that second um, to Asian women, white women have a better sexual fit with black men than black women. <laughs> and, you know, and I'm trying not to laugh because you don't want to laugh at students. I'm trying not to laugh, and I'm saying, okay, you know, where did this come from? And another guy on the other part of the class, yeah, I heard that too. And I said, okay, where did this come from? And they said, oh, we saw it on the Ricky Lake show. <laughs> and I'm, I'm like, this is your evidence? And they're looking at me like they're in disbelief that I would have a problem with that as a source. So their sources are not are not us so it's like telling them anything and it will work um there was a um a gathering a, a, a panel lecture thing at um spelman and one of 
the elder sister in the community went, and she left after being there for a while um, because she discovered that this was a really uh, um, lesbian focus. And the uh, one of the main arguments she said there was presented in this speech where this um, young sister got up and said, well, we're all bisexual because we have a mother and a father. That is the 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 logic there is so um insane but guess what she said people stood up to applaud wow because you're looking for anything to support your insanities you're looking for anything no matter how stupid it may sound to support um your aping alien ways now again, we come back to the problem. Where is this taking us? Where is it going in terms of what kind of people we're going to be when we are in a state of total denial of who we are, when we absolutely become someone else? You know, uh, well, I I put it like this. When we become what they want us to become so that they can play with us even more because then we'll think that we're responsible for creating the game. The idea of homosexuality coming out of Africa, we, it'll be something that we think that we did and that we should continue and escalate, but it's like somebody else is up in the box watching it go on and getting ready to come down and join the fun and be the serious predator where everybody else is thinking that they have nothing to do with it and they have everything to do with it. Wow. Again... Our guest uh, for today's program, uh, Dr. Mawalimu K. Baruti. Uh, please check the website, akobenhouse.com. It's linked uh, in the description for the program, A-K-O-B-E-N-House.com. The books are there. Please support uh, Dr. Baruti. Um, I just I wanted to pick out uh, one more because I think this is, uh, again, people focus a lot of attention on uh, Tyler Perry. Uh, Will Smith, just glancing over some of his films, uh, Bad Boys, Boys, just focusing on boys there, mm-hmm. uh, Seven Pounds, where uh, basically the, the climax and plot of the film is him killing himself uh, so that he can help uh, all these other people. Uh, I Am Legend, again, him killing himself so that white people might live. Uh, Hancock, uh, him getting as much distance as possible from the white woman. He actually ends up on the moon, I believe. He's not even on Earth anymore. Um, And uh, Six Degrees of Separation, uh, where he actually has uh, a scene of so-called homosexual activity with a white man. Six Degrees of Separation, Uh, that's just some of uh, Will Smith's uh, projects. Um, In your book, you talk about single parenting and single mothers and how they oftentimes end up with effeminate sons. Uh, You you mentioned some of the examples, and I know Mr. Fuller, Mr. Neil Fuller Jr., I spoke with him, and he talked about uh, some of the ways that this plays out is that um, single moms, black females, will... Uh, try to try to shield their black male children uh, from being abused in the system of white supremacy by effeminizing them. They'll do things like giving them effeminate names. Tracy, 
uh, which is, you know, a female name, and they'll name their male son Tracy. Uh, and I hope Tracy Morgan, Tracy Morgan, I hope people pay attention to his films a little more closely now. Can you kind of share your view on that, please, sir? Well, we are um, part of a, of a um, process of creating confusion as to who is who, who is what, what is what is the correct gender, um, what is gender correct behavior, what is gender correct, what have you. And I know that within this society is dictated by um, European norms for the most part, but it's still within a cultural context. When so when things begin to go the other way, um, it's obvious that something is um, going on. We we do have to realize, and that's where I say. Um, we really can't go around um, pointing fingers at the sisters, and you were not. Um, we can't go around pointing fingers at the brothers. Um, we all share um, in this. There are degrees of weakness everywhere, and when you are systematically oppressed, destroyed, trying to find some peace, there's a reason why African women, you know, the number one killer is, is hypertension and blood pressure, because this system does that. Um, we consistently find, and, and we, we can take this back to a child-centered society for us, for African people, where children are the most important. That's, that's a whole other discussion in and of itself. But there's so much evidence of our priority of children and their safety, um, our love of them and, their, and our elders. When you have um, a women who are like this to the bone, then in the ignorance of what this can do, and in the idea that I would prefer for my child to be um, a slave than to be uh, a warrior or revolutionary or what have you, then you have, um, and when you have the, the changing of the priorities from character, which was the first and foremost priority in every traditional African society that I have studied, the development of the character of the child, when you switch that priority of character for priority of money, for priority of things, for a prior materialistic um, priority, um, then the um, goal becomes not only to, to get this child in a position where he is acceptable by this society so that they will more than likely offer him more of the crumbs, but your priority also becomes um, for your child to be, well, it's in the same thing, for your child to, to be, um, it doesn't need to be elaborated in that way, for your child to be the least possible threat um, that he can be. And European women, excuse me, African women, black women, African men, black men, know several things, whether subconsciously or in day-to-day conversation. They know in their mind that Europeans will kill for nothing. Hmm. Um, our parents are deathly afraid that their child will go and do and say something that will end them up in the prison system, that will end them up at the end of a rope, that will end them up at the end of a gun, that will end them up on the street. They are very, very afraid. I think we're more afraid of that than anybody else because we're so close to it and we see it all the time that our child will end up on drugs, seriously on drugs, and that will be the end of his or her life. So that survival mother-father thing kicks in where you will do whatever you think will allow your child to survive 
in this world with the least amount of confrontation with this system that's trying to kill them. I'm going to say, you don't spoil a child to be raised up in a world that's going to try to kill them. So you turn that child, you, while you are mandated to spoil your child, you want to spoil your child in such a way that they will um, be readily unacceptable and no one will see them as a threat as they're coming. So you do things that take away their manhood by default. And then when you have a whole collection of this going on, it does not seem odd whatsoever. So you, I mean, you know this is a long discussion. You you, you remove the man, you remove the man from the home. Mm-hmm. You, know, you, you make that uh, the most difficult thing for him to be. And if he is in the home, then he needs to be pacified. Um, uh, you um, make the mother so dependent on the system. Um, that they know that if they raise this child wrong, they can lose that. Not only can they lose what they're receiving, but they can also lose that child to the system. Mm. I'm not talking about welfare. I'm talking about job, whatever it is that you have, family. Okay, The, the way that family responds to someone who decides that they want to be African-centered within our mm. community, it's, it's just you being your individual self, right? But the response is, I do that to students all the time here when they want to, well, before this year, um, when they want to talk about being individual and it doesn't make a difference, I say, okay, you can go to your public school, dress up like you're Hindu. You can go to your school, dress up like you're indigenous. You can go dress up like you're a goth. You can go dress up any way you want to. You can even go speak in that language. But see what happens when you go dressed up like an African, like a traditional African. See how different the response is. Go and speak an African language and see how different the response is in this place where they're talking about being individual. So the appreciation and acceptance is for everything except that which is African. Mothers know that for their sons, and they know that their sons are the greatest threat. They know that their sons are perceived of as the greatest threat. Now, I guess logically you'd have to say, if I was brought up in a world and I had children, and I wanted my children to be successful in this world and to thrive and, and, to, and to live, um, and it was only me or it was only a community like me, then my job is to make these children, uh, make them so that their lives could be long, as happy as possible, um, with the least amount of want as possible. And if this society dictates to me that if I raise a boy into a man, they're going to kill him, they're going to castrate him. They're going to imprison him. They're going to find a way to get him on drugs. They turn him into a drunk. They're going to find a way to to keep him from receiving the education that he needs. Then I'm not going to raise my child that way, especially if I operate in fear. And fear doesn't have to be a conscious thing, but especially if I operate in in fear. Today, the most successful, or increasingly the most successful adult black males are those who are gender confused, those who are feminized, those who are soft, those who are least um, likely to have the mannerisms, the behavior, the thought, the attitude of a man, especially of a man who is at war and who recognizes the um, assault of white supremacy or attempted white supremacy against us. Those are the ones who... um, are sought out to be destroyed, to set examples of. 
If all around you, every black male who decided that he wanted to be a man is being destroyed, you don't want your boy to be raised like that. You want your boy to live. That's that's logical for mothers. Mm. You know, they want their children to live. Um, it's it's changing in a, in a in a way within the drug drug culture. As a friend of mine said a number of years ago, crack is the first thing that's been able to separate African women from their children, and that has been a goal. Just like prison is is well the. Uh, solitary confinement in prison is the first time that you have been able to break the spirit of some black men, which has been the goal. But it's it's logical. That's your child. And if you don't have the, um, I'll say, intellectual wherewithal to know what people are trying to do to us, to have a historical understanding of what they have done, and to have a vision of empowerment of African people, then you're going to compromise your child and find a way to make it appear that it's not compromised. Okay, so mothers, and, and technically speaking, if you will, uh, mothers are acting in a correct defensive posture relative to not knowing to protect their child. Hmm. It doesn't sound good. It doesn't, you know, it, it, it doesn't feel good, but at base level, at, at the level of theory, uh, this is what's going on. Um, they are trying to protect their son. That hasn't that hasn't gone anywhere. If the uh, if the men who were most destroyed in this society, who the, the African men who were most destroyed in this society, were those who were uh, the most pacified, the weakest, the most gender confused, then African women would be trying to raise the exact opposite of that. But that's not what's going on. It's the exact opposite because you are trying to destroy a people's men. If there are no warriors, then there is no threat, and there's there's no there's nothing to move you in the direction of just uh, straight up genocide. And of course, we know that homosexuality is a major part of that process because homosexuality is not procreative. So you remove a population by their own choice because they have adopted sex styles that fit negative zero and negative population growth. Um, but it's, I, I don't think for the most part that um, these mothers are to blame. Um, my mother used to tell me when I was a child, you um, enlighten, you educate, you teach the ignorant, you ignore stupidity. And we're talking about a lot of ignorance. And to me, ignorance is not a bad word. You know, I'm ignorant about a lot of things. So is anybody else who has the sense to admit it. Um, so you're, you, most people in our community don't have um, any serious historical or historical analysis. They don't have um, uh, what's required to sit down and intelligently analyze this and do what they need to do, knowing what the odds are going to be um, against their survival, knowing that righteous rage is extremely important, knowing that being conscious about your destruction is extremely important, even if it means you don't live that long, but you were right in what you did, or that you don't become successful. I got all these people think I'm talking about we're going to die. No, but it's like it's, it's the even if you don't become successful in their definition or other people's definition, you know that you are right. Our ancestors operated on those principles of being right, of being righteous. My father taught me that it doesn't make a difference 
um, if there's only you there, a, a, a man can stand alone. And what he meant was that it, it, it doesn't make a difference if, if the, there are a million of people against you, 10 million, 20 million, 100 million people against you. It doesn't make a difference. You still stand on what you know is right. And our people have become so weakened because of neediness and because of confusion, because of menticide, because of this tireless assault against us that wears people out, that makes them weary, that they're willing to accept things that under normal circumstances they would not consider in a zillion years. I assume that we'll see her here. I guess someone's taking a little break. Can I be heard, sir? Um, I can hear you now. Oh, okay. Groovy. Um, I just said, again, it is an extreme privilege uh, to have you on the program. Uh, I'm definitely going to uh, be working hard to have you back on the program because I also want to discuss uh, sexual intercourse between white people and non-white people. I do think that is a big problem, and uh, I, I want to have a whole different program to address that. Um, but I wanted you to, uh, because you said earlier that you you don't even say uh, European homosexuals because for you they are synonyms. Um, a lot of the white people who allege to be against racism, uh, they also say, well, we're also against what they call homophobia. And we think people who uh, are so-called gay, they're mistreated too, and we don't want to hear anybody talking bad about homosexual activity, and, you know, people are born that way. Um, we, we, we think, you know, anybody who has something bad to say about that, you're some kind of a demon. Um, if you could, could you really lay out why you say you feel this is this is a fundamental aspect of European culture, racist white supremacy culture, and you said you can just look back to Greco-Roman society. Could you really lay that out so that we get a thorough understanding of uh, which of why you say that? I will try. Um, before I do that, um, I will say though Europeans are notorious for covering both sides of whatever the debate is. And in the end, they end up defending themselves and protecting themselves. So to say, and even among uh, Negroes and lost souls, this liberalism, it removes race as an issue. It's, it's most evident in um, philosophically and theoretically in um, uh, ideas like Marxism and liberalism, where everybody is uh human and worthy and all the rest of that. And we're not saying that anybody's not worthy. We're just saying that this is not African. Mm. Uh, I think that Europeans should practice homosexuality because that's a natural normal part of who they are. Um I don't think that Africans should because it's not a natural normal part of who we are. Nowhere in any of the traditions that I have studied and anybody who I know has studied is there any evidence of homosexuality in traditional ancient African society. They are trying to manufacture stuff now, but I say the same thing about that as I say to students. We know that we're dealing with liars. I give the examples to the students 
um, in terms of European um, Europeans lying to us and convincing us things that are not true, like our intellectual um, inferiority based upon our skin color, which they quote unquote proved scientifically. All the things that they have proven scientifically to us, but this thing is different. I said, I said, if I had a best friend and I'd known this person for forty some years and we were best friends, I would do anything for him. He would do anything for me. But I knew he was a chronic liar. So I checked out everything he said before I agreed to it or went along with whatever it was or accepted it as the truth. And if he came to me and he said, man, I swear, cross my heart, hand on the Bible, or my mother's grave, man, I swear, man, this time I'm telling you the truth, would I believe it? And all the students who I talk to, every time I do this, they say no. And I say, well, why are we believing Europeans about some African origins of homosexuality? Or their Negro clones or their workhorses within our community who are saying this to defend their European behavior. We go back and look at traditions of European society. We consistently see homosexuality. We consistently see bestiality. We see sadomasochism is part and parcel of their sexual behavior. Pain is very much a part of everything that they do, and sex is not something that's exempt from that. We see this evolving through the generations, we see the names of things that we do now or we're aware of now that have a European origin is just from the names. Uh, there are some, to me, just basic commonsensical evidence that it has no African origins. Europeans, if they came to the continent and they were so puritanical and they were so, um, not to talk about, we didn't have to go into the, the area of their raping and all the rest of this stuff, but they, if they were so... Um, heterosexual, if they found Africans who were homosexual, who practiced bestiality, it would have been on the cover of every newspaper and scientific journal that they published because hmm. they were trying to prove our inferiority. So that would have been on the cover. That would have been the talk of the town for years and years and years and years, and yet it is nowhere, absolutely nowhere in any of their material, any of their scientific material, any of their newspaper material. But you can consistently go through the lifetime of European people, and there is always homosexuality there. So the problem for me isn't with them um, and um, the for me, you've had the development in terms of my interpretation, you've had the development of different people within European society who maybe do not participate now, but they may be participating in the next generation or skip the generation or what have you, if you want to call it uh, genetics or you want to call it a religious thing or what have you, but they cover all bases. So no matter who loses, they win because they are part of everything and they are seen as the um, scholars, the authorities, the beautiful people. So they are going to be protected. The question is only which side is going to win and who's going to be protecting them. When you look at traditional African society, again, this is completely and totally absent. Now, one of the two of the greatest pieces of evidence of its absence is that African people have always been family-centered. Homosexuality is pedophilic at its heart, at its base. How can you have a family that is pedophilic, that has so much love and appreciation for its children, has a world that centers around its children, childbirth, procreation. How could you have a society like that with pedophiles? That would be a complete and total contradiction, a complete and total um, contradiction uh, for these people. 
Procreation is, is at the heart of it. You look at European mythology and you compare that to African mythology. All the European gods of significance were single or abusive to each other. Every single African divinity had a complementary pair. Okay? People will compare the Ankh and the cross as it's used in European Christianity today because the circle or the shape that resembles the circle or the egg at the top of the Ankh, that's the woman's womb. The arms of the children, the bottom part of the Ankh is the phallic. It's the phallic symbol for the man. Europeans chopped that off and made it all male. So we're looking at differences in uh, mythology. We're looking at differences in child-rearing practices. You look at the treatment of African people, of their elders, way back when, of couples, way back then. People got divorced. People got separated. uh, People died. But how they were consumed, excuse me, how they were absorbed into the community, how the children were treated, how they were respected, how they were taught, how they were held at the center of everything versus traditional European society. Um, Many of the churches that were built in Australia were built by um, white orphanages. All you have to do is look at the mythology, not the mythology, the stories, the fictional stories, which are fiction is is a representation of what's real. So read Charles Dickens. And you will get a very good idea on how children were really treated in traditional African society. Look at what happened when they began to bring indentured servants over here. Where they were, well, number one, you had two separate societies in terms of prostitution. So the sexual orientation of African people and what would be acceptable was quite different. You didn't have the word prostitution in African society, any language group. And whenever you have something, there's always a word that fits that. There was no word for prostitution. In traditional African society, there was no word for prison in traditional African society. And speaking of words, of course, we have a lot of sisters in particular who want to use this word lesbian and and walk around with it with great pride as if it symbolizes them. And this is another evidence of people's ignorance um, over where words came from and European application of them. Lesbian, the word lesbian comes from the island of Lesbos which they have changed the name of. It comes from the island of Lesbos. The island of Lesbos was not famous for homosexual African, excuse me, homosexual European women. The island of Lesbos was internationally renowned because of the female prostitutes who stayed there and their reputation for performing oral sex on men. That was what the island was famous for. It wasn't famous for homosexuality. It was famous for prostitutes who performed oral sex on men. That was it. So I'm wondering exactly what it is out of that that they're calling themselves. So we have so many different um, fundamental differences in the character of the people that make homosexuality in African society virtually impossible. And you have these people who will come up now with... um, this manufactured example way over here among this teeny tiny people, this manufactured example, and they'll want to use those insignificant, even if they were real, examples to extrapolate, to infer from there to an entire African people. Okay? European people, I have, that's interesting, this is the first time I thought about this. 
I have never heard a European deny that European people are homosexual. <laughs> I've never heard that denied. I, of course, never heard it denied by, um, well, I have heard one African say, well, no, that's not true. But I've never heard or read anywhere where a European was in denial of that historical fact. Never. Wow. So it's like they have placed a debate in our lap, and we're arguing over the natural, not you and I, but we're arguing over the natural homosexuality of Europeans versus that of Africans, and they can just sit back and watch this create chaos in our community the same way they can put together two songs that pit African men against African women and African women against African men and just sit back and watch the chaos it creates in um, intimate relationships between black men and black women. So it's like you're, wow. you're, you're throwing fuel into a fire that you initiated when you begin to destroy a people. You know, but I, I don't know of, um, I honestly don't know of, of, maybe I just haven't read enough, <laughs> I honestly don't know of um, any European who has made that um, claim. Wow. <laughs> Uh, that that to me says a lot because it's they're, they're not doing it. We're the ones that are saying it. You know, we're we're hmm. the ones that are make that are making the de- we're we're defending, and that's one of the things that Chris Welsing, Bobby E. Wright, Amos Wilson, John Herrick Clark, all these folks talked about how we are defending them and their right to turn us into them and to destroy us. They don't even have to do that. Sort of like the thing, well, we don't have to come in and kill you anymore. We can just dump a bunch of drugs and guns into your uh, community and watch you do it to yourselves. We can um, rape some of you throughout time. Um, Homosexuality, in terms of Europeans doing this to us, um, they had a practice during our enslavement in this country called buck-breaking, where they would take the strongest of the males, the most rebellious of the males, and they would bring out the entire um, population of enslaved Africans on this plantation, and they would make this huge circle. And they would bring this guy out over a tree trunk that had been cut cut off, and they would um, they would have two or three of the black males who were strong or stronger than him together. They would strip him butt naked. They would take him. They would bend him over this tree stump, and the white master would rape him, sodomize him. They call it I'm saying, what does when you when you talk about breaking the spirit of people, causing, as in the uh, Willie Lynch type um, idea, uh, causing mothers to want to raise their sons up in a protective way. If I saw that and I was a mother, I think I'd give at least a second thought to raising him up to be a warrior, at least a warrior where everybody knows he's a warrior. I might train them to behave a certain way in public and another way in private, but I would give some second thought. Now it's just the same way in public or private. Um, There was a guy who was quoted in, um, I'm not sure, I think it was Essence Magazine when they were talking about the, um, and that's I'm not applauding Essence Magazine, but they were interviewing um, this guy about, uh, one of the professors about homosexuality in in the islands, and this guy was talking about how if you had um, an enslaved African who was um, hard to control, 
he would be handed over to an overseer or a driver who was homosexual or homosexualized. And then he would just be systematically um, raped until he was broken. Wow. So these are things that now we're discovering because they were kept from us for a reason, because they wanted our perception of them to be different than what it is. Now when you have us at a certain point where we see them as a certain way or we're just all human and all the rest of this, then you can begin to talk about this and say, oh, that was just our ancestors. That's not us. Okay, but they're bringing back the truth, and as they move us further through this school process, then more and more will be revealed about what they have done and what they continue to do to a point where we think that we are them and this was what we did or we do. And since we did it before, well, it seems like it's good enough for us to do now. Hmm. You know, so it wasn't just the women, but there's been no discussion of uh public intellectual dialogue about the rape of African men and boys during our enslavement, crossing the ocean, in the dungeons over there, on the coffee lines. No one talks about that, and we know why no one is talking talking about that, even though we know that it occurred, because Europeans did not leave their homosexuality in Europe when they came to invade the continent. They didn't leave it there. And what you see now is a result of that. And what has been going on here? It's not a result of what Africans have always done. It's what a result of what Europeans brought to the African continent. If we knew these things, we would be angry. We would be righteously enraged, and we would act accordingly. But they were smart enough to wait until we had thought or come to a point of thinking that we're one with them, so there would be no reason to be angry because then you'd be getting angry at yourself for what you're doing to yourself, for what you're doing to your sons and to your daughters. Mm. Again, a real privilege uh, to have our guest on today's program, uh, Dr. Mawalimu K. Baruti. Uh, Please check the website, com. It is linked in the description to this program. Just click his name, and uh, you can see all the books that he's written. Uh, Please get, uh, get all of them if you can. Um, Dr. Baruti, are you okay taking a couple callers? Um, sure, as long as, long as um, it's not silliness. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, I agree. <laughs> um, Absolutely. I think most of the folks who, who tend to listen to this program, uh, they tend to be uh, pretty serious and uh, in the business of replacing white supremacy with justice. Um, let's see, 253, uh, listener at 253, did you have a uh, question for Dr. Baruti? Not at this time. Thank you. Okay. Uh, let's see. Uh, Love, Truth, and Liberation. She's also down there in Atlanta with you. Uh, do you have a question for Dr. Baruti? Yes, thank you. Um, my question is, do you also see this effeminization and um, homosexuality um, as due to white supremacy coming out um, to our Brothers and sisters in the Caribbean and in Africa, and I have a second question if there's time after that. Uh, yes, I do. Um, it's and it's even scarier for me there because of the level of economic dependency, which allows Europeans to buy or to buy in to what they want. The number of European females who are coming to the continent and claiming young boys into the islands to claim uh, boys as their sex toys 
Um, it's very scary to me, um, people who are returning from the continent, they're telling me about these computer cafes where uh, young African males are hooking up with white males while they're still up in Europe, and then they come down on vacation to be uh, homosexualized, and prostitution is rampant in that area, particularly in the Zany of South Africa. It's catching up with Thailand, which has the, the highest rate of child prostitution for any um Bangkok, Bangkok, Thailand, of any city in the world. Um, the other, the other thing that scares me about that, and when I say scared, I mean scared. It, it's unbelievable that this could be happening, and and there are only so many results, possible results from this. Um, the um, what we see going on in the continent in terms of the rate of the transformation of people's mind toward wanting to be European, the love of the European, the love of the European way, the love of how the European thinks and acts. It's like what happened to us in 50 years is happening there in 15 or 20 years because the drive to move, to be subintegrated into European society is so much greater. It's like you started out late in the race, so you're running faster than everybody else just to catch up. So I expect there to be some seriously negative effects. What has been done with um, at least a few of the dungeons that they kept us in before they put us on the slavers to cross the ocean over here, where one of them, the, the major one, it turned into essentially a gay club. And we assisted this process by having jazz concerts there, which to me is a horrific um, level of disrespect toward our ancestors where you would take a place like that and um, want to dance the night away inside of it and be drunk and whatever else may go along with that. So, so yes, what I see there um, is atrocious and even, how do I say, even um, more so because they're economically bound to the West. And the West has for a while uh, um, attached homosexual rights I love that word, rights, homosexual rights to financial aid, to government subsidies that come from the West. Trinidad and Tobago, they were holding out for a long time, and from my knowledge, they're still holding out, but the assault against them in terms of their their aid from the West um, has been major, has had a major impact. Um, The good thing is that um, in a number of these places, particularly in the islands, uh, the the strength against the homosexual movement is is still extremely strong, much stronger there than it is in, in, in most of the communities here. Okay. Can I be heard? Yes, I can hear you. Okay. My second question is, um, I'm sure you've noticed um, all the uh, homosexual uh, women uh, African women in Atlanta too, and maybe could you talk about how that could be also caused by um, the white supremacy pressure in the area? Oh, absolutely. There are a number of ways. One of the ways, though, has to do with the male-female ratio. Um, when you have a people who are so sex-driven, um, sex being, if not the most important, one of the most important things in their lives in terms of play and everyday activities where this is what you live for and we have been trained in this way atlanta has 
um, the the highest income bringing thing in the city of Atlanta is the strip clubs. Um, sex is such a high priority and such a thing for people who, um, if you will, for the most part, are, are empty inside in terms of this being the norm and play. Um, when that's the case, when there is a shortage of of men, um, in in terms of statistics, there are somewhere between 32 and 36 um, black men in this country for every black woman. And, of course, these numbers get much, much higher when you talk about homosexualized black men, when you talk about black men who only date, only marry someone who's not, when you talk about black men who are in prison, when you talk about black men um, who aren't men, they're just males who uh, either are played boys um, or never grew up and don't have the level of maturity that would qualify them as a man or as men. Um, then you have a over-surplus of women, and then you have a social movement uh, that has been coming for a while now that's promoting the idea of homosexual behavior. So uh, for you to reject that in many ways is for you to be uncool, for you to be square, for you to be straight. Interesting terminology. Straight means, you know, without um, uh, any qualities, without any um, life to you uh, versus gay. Um so what I see here relative to just the male-female ratios would be expected. Even though you had significant male-female ratios before um, and you didn't see this in this way, you also have a society, a culture that is uh, regressing with, into everybody else, back into their roots, um, and people are adopting what is normal for them as normal for, for everyone else. So you would expect to see um, more and more of this. Also, just like male homosexuality, uh, female homosexuality is significantly the result of sexual abuse when in childhood um, or um, having uh, a, a bad or violent, uh, disastrous um, sexual relationship as an older child or as an adult. Um, the majority of prostitutes on the streets were sexually abused as children. So when you have this situation, you have people running away from those things which terrorize them, and in some cases continue to terrorize them. It's amazing to me the number of, of homosexualized African women who work in these black women's shelters, who go there looking for victims, um, pretending that they're, you know, trying to help, but they're looking for more women to um, homosexualize as well to have as partners because homosexuality requires the constant, um, um, for the most part, requires constant and constantly increasing number of uh, partners as well as different um, partners. Some people, I'm sure, are saying, yeah, that's a bunch of, of malarkey, but the evidence is, is very different. The evidence shows that to be very, very true. Um, we forget about the fact that, that the, the, one of the logics for homosexual relationships is that, well, a man knows a man better than a woman, and a woman knows a man knows a woman better than a man. Well, there's more domestic violence within homosexual relationships than, than there are within heterosexual relationships. But I expect to continue it to continue to rise because you have a lot of women who are on the prowl. They are looking for girls and other women to turn out. 
um, in a society where there is so much violence within relationships and people have become so selfish and intolerant that they don't understand a relationship requires um, work and is a difficult thing, and the first difficulty they encounter, then they're upset and they want to leave and they've been mistreated, then you have a whole collection of individuals to pick and choose from in terms of, of that. Uh, and homosexuality appears to be one of those things that once you have participated in it, it's something that you get caught and locked up in in many cases. It's very difficult to get out of because it does psychological things to you um, also. So I, I expect this, this movement to continue to grow um, uh, all over. Uh, wise people recognize the uh, nature and magnitude of this. They recognize that this is a homosexual culture that this is a homosexual society, so they expect that. But that does not um, lower their morale relative to what they're trying to do because they know that they are correct. I mean, I don't need to, I don't think I need to remind people about European empires, and one of the most important indicators of their fall was sexual license, homosexuality in, in public, and just rantum, uh, orgies, all the rest of these things always preceded the fall of these societies. Um, that's just a historical fact. Um, and I don't want people to say, oh, well, that's, that's exciting. Yeah, I can, I can see that's coming because there is no um, given time span for this to occur. It may take this another 30, 40, 50, 100 years. But in the meantime, how do we raise children so that they don't have to live in this insanity, do not have to participate in this insanity because that glitter is enormous. That pull is enormous, um, even within the center community among the children in terms of being pulled away and pulled into that madness. It is enormous, and we need to focus our energies on protecting those who do not want to be involved in that and those who have not become a part of that but and we don't want to become um, involved in that. But we should expect it to increase uh, considerably. Wow. Um, nine one six. Are you there with a call? Nine one six. Nine one six. Did you have a question, or are you just listening? Okay. I think they are just listening. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, someone called in at one 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 one. If you have a question, uh, you are on the air. One one one. Um, hello, Dr. Broody. Yes, how you doing? Hi. Uh, you touched on something that I was going to ask you about, and uh, maybe I'll bring it up again. It's the uh, last straw. I was going to ask you about cultures. It, it, it does seem like the last straw is the um, the mm -hmm. homosexuality. That's uh, that's the last thing tolerated. Uh, then the people seem to have like a revolution. Um, I don't know if you want to speak on that anymore. Well, yes, I would, because the question is, if that revolution occurs, um, will we be prepared to build something that's African, and will we have learned the lessons of who we're dealing with and be able to separate um, civilization from that? Because if that's part of what you rebuild, then you know that eventually it's going to return as a force to be reckoned with. We have to look at what... Um, is wrong 
and not rebuild the same thing. Of course, part of understanding what we need to rebuild comes from who we are as a people, which requires us to study um, our traditions. However, I would also caution us to not to stop at homosexuality. Um, I would suggest that we look at the um, uh, last straw. I like the way you said that. Um, the last straw, that final thing, is not being just limited to homosexuality, that also pedophilia is a part of that. All of these things um, reach a critical mass. Orgies. When you look back at Rome, you find Saturnalia, where you had a month where people just went out and had orgies all over the place, um, where you have pedophilia going crazy. And now that we have a modern European society, then you can expect for this thing with children to get massive, get extremely large. The child, the rate of child stealing out of Ethiopia, out of South Africa, Zania, out of the islands now, out of our communities here is... They say over the top. It is it is beyond um, what I could have ever imagined um, in terms of what they do and what we're allowing them to do. Um, so, yes, I would again agree that there are indicators. There, you know, and intelligent people ought to find, be able to find indicators of all kinds of of um, social phenomena. But those indicators may have to be even um, greater as the ability to ward off um, war or destruction um, have evolved, too, because that learning has also occurred. Um, it's not like we're talking in a vacuum and Europeans aren't listening to this conversation or haven't listened to the conversations about that, so they're quite aware of their history, too. So they're doing everything in their power to make sure that that doesn't happen because they want to remain in power as long as possible. That's what supremacy is all about, maintaining your uh, um, dominance over other people for indefinitely or for as long as you can. So it's, it's not like, it's like you have uh, warriors out here, revolutionaries out here who are having conversations and talking in public and doing things as if Europeans aren't listening, can't hear them. They are, they are clear on what um, we're about. And they're clear on what they're about. They're not confused. It's not, they're not oblivious to this. They know exactly what's going on. Um, the Central Intelligence Agency is just one aspect of that information um, gathering. So uh, when we look at the indicators, we have to update them based upon the level of, of, of newly accumulated, if you will, um, sophistication. Uh, as well as the number of people who are involved, because we could understand this world as the empire that they have decided on. And if that's the case and that becomes reality, then it's going to take a while before the world becomes in such a homosexualized state that things begin to fall apart. Someone mm. uh, else called in at 111. Um, other caller at 111, did you have a question for uh, Dr. Baruti? No, very constructive program. I'm just listening. Oh, okay, okay. I believe that is Cree, counter-racist, evolving engineer. Excellent program right here at Blog Talk Radio. Uh, please support her efforts to uh, replace white supremacy with justice. I um, guess we'll get the uh, last one. Uh, 310, call her at 310. Did you have a uh, question for Dr. Baruti? Uh, yes. Um, actually, I have um, one uh, comment and then a question. Um, 
I just wanted to uh, throw this out there uh, to um, both of you and anybody else that might be listening. Um, uh, I have been doing some research. Um, I, it's not quite scientific, but from what I have been able to discover, there are only two actors on a regular series uh, program in the current season that regularly appear in, um, in um, you know, dresses, men, and they're both black, uh, you know, RuPaul and Phil Lewis. So that's kind of interesting. I think it underscores, uh, you know, exactly what is going on. Uh, so that's my comment. My question is this. Um, Doctor, you mentioned mendicide. You mentioned uh, people looking out uh, of themselves uh, for themselves. You mentioned, uh, you know, th that unfortunately in some instances we uh, disrespect our ancestors. You mentioned uh, that we need to study our traditions. Um, I wanted to ask you, uh, do you think it's possible for black men in America to counteract uh, emasculinization and, and white supremacy without being aware and proud of their heritage? Um, no, I don't. Uh, that's a very interesting question. That's a, uh, I've never been asked that, but it's been coming. Um, I don't think so because it's like every, everyone is going to have, a, in general speaking, everyone's going to have a particular cultural orientation. Um, I don't, I don't believe, um, as a, a, a student of humanity, if you will, that people can operate without a culture. I've, I've never heard of that. I don't, I, I can't imagine it happening because everyone has culture, um, and in the world that we live in today, there are you know dominant cultures. There are large cultures, some in conflict with each other, um, some not. I shouldn't use it in such large terms, because then people start getting confused. And they start saying that different people on the African continent have different cultures when it's not different cultures, it's just different ethnicities. Um, in order for us to become who we're supposed to be, we have to take who we have always been and adjust it to the battlefield that we're on now. Um, it, 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 it's it's, just, it's as simple as, uh, let's say, military tech strategies and technologies, Africans, um, our most important shape is a circle. So whenever you study African military technologies um, and strategies, you find the circle dominant in those. European military technologies primarily involve the square or a straight line. And whenever you study European military strategies and technologies, then you find that dominates. There's a reason why. We, we say that tradition is what works for you as a people. It was... For us, it was custom designed over thousands and thousands and thousands of years of our social evolution where we came to understand who we were, what we were supposed to be about as a people, how we were reflected in the universe, how we're supposed to um, view this world, the Sasaya, Mother Earth, how we're supposed to operate here. So in order for us to be men by definition, in order for sisters to be women, by definition, it has to fit within the model that was established by our ancestors. We are our ancestors. That's, that's to me, another major part of the equation, and that's something that people um, wanna, want to deny, especially those who want to um, leave Europeans innocent of what they have done. 
we are our ancestors, just like I'm my mom and my dad, and they're their mom and their dad, and, and all the way back, and um, we are our ancestors. Now, we can get into the discussion of, of Europeans in the bloodline through rape, whether that rape was voluntary or not. Um, but we are our ancestors in terms of our spirit and in terms of what works um, for us. And Europeans are their ancestors in terms of their spirit, or some people might say spiritlessness, and what works for them. So if we're going to, the only way that we could be men without going back to our traditions and finding out what the definition of manhood is within those traditions, the only way we can do that is to commit treason against our ancestors, to disrespect our ancestors. Um, if I may suggest, um, I wrote a book called Asafo, which is a warrior's guide to manhood, which um, talks about a lot of that. There's also a book that's in the works now, which is supposed to be, I should be finished with it, should be published this coming November, and it's entitled Iwa, I did spell I-W-A, um, A Warrior's Character. And those discussions are grounded in the definition of manhood within the tradition of African people. We've got to remove the idea of tradition as being something old, archaic, outdated, outmoded way back then. This is Tradition is what will always work for people. Um, you may change your type of clothes that you wear because the environment may change, or you may relocate from a mountainous area to a plains area, and then some things change in terms of the technology that you use. But that technology is still going to be dictated by the kind of people that you are, the kind of mind that you have, the kind of spirit that you are. So if we're talking about African manhood, if we're talking about black manhood, then it has to fall in line with the manhood of our traditions and what kind of men um, we are supposed to create as based upon who we know ourselves to be. Outstanding. Um, I want to uh, thank you, uh, Dr. Broody, for taking some time out of your uh, Wednesday evening uh, to share with us. Uh, I think it has been extremely uh, constructive. Um, I, again, want to give the web address, acobinhouse.com. Uh, please go there. You can get all of his books, uh, including Homosexuality and the Effeminization of African Males. Um, I want to give you the last word. If there's anything you'd like to say uh, to our listening audience before we sign out, go right ahead, sir. Well, Brother Gus, I appreciate the offer. I mean, and I tell people all the time, I just got finished speaking up in D.C., I don't think people understand when um, someone who, like myself, um, who sees his mission as a worker for the people, when people invite um, me to come and be part of a um, honest, uh, critical um, developing discussion um, it is an enormous honor and I am very grateful for you having um, allowed me into this this space so um, my uh, kudos uh, go out to you for having this on this takes a lot of courage um, it takes a lot of courage to stand up against uh, people who are trying to destroy you in an anti-African world so I definitely appreciate um, being on I, I really appreciate the questions um, and I look forward to uh, coming back. For sure. Definitely want to have you back. As I said, the uh, sexual intercourse between white people and non-white people, that is uh, something we talk about a lot. I feel that it's extremely incorrect and damaging uh, for black people, victims of racism, white supremacy. And, uh, yeah, I will be getting in touch with you to have you back uh, as soon as possible to discuss that topic. 
Um, again, thank you so much, Dr. Baruti. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, fantastic broadcast. I could not be uh, more thankful for having you for the 100th broadcast uh, here at the Cows. Um, thank you so much, and I will definitely be in touch with you soon, sir. Okay. You take care. Have thank you, care. sir. You too. Thank you. Thank you. Um, hope everyone enjoyed the broadcast. Um, please check the website, uh, AcklebenHouse.com. Uh, all you have to do is click uh, Dr. Baruti's name if you are listening here at Blog Talk Radio. Uh, just click his name. Uh, it will take you right to the website, and uh, you can uh, see all the books that he's authored, uh, check out information, excellent website. Um, Hope the program was constructive for folks listening in. Um, the book that he was referencing earlier in the broadcast, um, where he talked about the uh, black male being at a uh, black college, and he got in trouble, got kicked out, and uh, the black uh, professor uh, kicked him out and gave him a letter uh, that said, keep him running. That is Ralph Ellison's Invisible Man. Um, excellent book. Lots of white supremacy. I believe that book has been mentioned repeatedly on this program. Uh, I know Dr. Martin Kevorkian spoke about it. Um, just incredible symbolism. There's sexual intercourse between a white person and a non-white person in that book. Um, I, I, would, I would highly recommend it. Excellent, um, excellent illustration of racism, white supremacy. Uh, it starts with a battle royal, if you want to talk about homosexual activity, um, a group of white men get a collection of black boys together to have a fight uh, and they throw coins at them in the ring and the person who the last person standing wins and he gets all the coins but uh, very homoerotic beginning um, yeah you just have to check it out I'm, 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 I'm not whole, I'm not sharing all the information about things that happen at the beginning but when you read it uh, the homoerotic nature uh, of this activity which did really happen uh, it'll, it'll jump out at you uh, when you go to read. Uh, one more thing I did want to share as well. I hope Haiti was not lost on the listeners. Um, Dr. Baruti spoke uh, frequently about uh, pedophilia and this homosexual activity um, having a predatory nature to att attack uh, children. I hope Haiti is not lost on the listeners. Uh, these white people... Uh, the ones that you know about, not even counting the ones that you don't know about, but certainly the ones that you know about uh, that are going to Haiti and snatching up these kids, um, you should be highly suspicious uh, that there's most likely some pedophilia going on down there. Um, white people make movies about going to Haiti to sexually exploit black people. Uh, I believe one of them is uh, Heading South. Uh, it is subtitled. It's in French, uh, but it talks about white women going down to exploit black males. And one white woman, she even says that she went down and found uh, this black uh, boy. He was no more than 14, 15 years old. And she, uh, according to her own testimony in the film, raped him. And she just went every year for the summer. That was her fling to go down to Haiti and sexually molest uh, these black people who, as Dr. Baruti said, are uh, Poor. I mean, they're impoverished. They've got very limited options. Uh, this is a way for a lot of them to make money uh, to improve their quality of life. So I hope Haiti is not lost on people who listen to this broadcast. Um, before I sign out, I, I also wanted to uh, just give you something to think about in terms of just 
listening to words. Uh, I try to point out when Tim Wise, when he uses the word fair, F-A-I-R, what is incorrect about equating fair with accuracy or justness, uh, that that is incorrect and, I believe, an act of racism. Uh, and specifically with Mr. Tim Wise, I believe it is a conscious act of racism because I have prompted him about that repeatedly, uh, at least three times, at least three times, and he continues to do it. Um, so just paying attention to words. Um, some of these are just uh, hip-hop artist names, black male entertainers, Baby, Rich Boy, Lil John and the East Side Boys, Ghetto Boys, uh, and, and what, they, what they call gangbanging, a lot of these terms sound very effeminate, very homoerotic. Just pay attention. Uh, it's, it's rife. Uh, you'll see it every day when you start paying closer attention to details, images. It's, it's, it's as explicit as Tyler Perry and the image uh, that is attached to the description of this program. Uh, it's also in very subtle ways as well. Uh, just the number of black entertainers, musicians I'm thinking about that reference themselves as boy or uh, young, <laughs> very effeminate, uh, not quite equating themselves with manhood, being a man in the system of white supremacy. Uh, as Mr. Fuller said, uh, black males the most impotent creatures in the form of people in the system of racism, white supremacy, and uh, I unfortunately agree uh, and qualify myself. I, again, still do not have a phone or a computer. Uh, I think that is going to do it. I'm not doing a long discussion today because uh, I want to go put my feet up and uh, prepare. I did want to let folks know uh, two programs this weekend uh, on Saturday. Uh, I'm, man. Real excited Saturday, we have a victim of racism, white supremacy from the area of the world known as the United Kingdom. Um, she has been experiencing a lot of mistreatment uh, on her job by suspected racists, and uh, she evolved her counter-racism code on the job uh, and got skilled enough to where she was able to stop a lot of her mistreatment uh, and get the help that she needed on the job. She's going to be here uh, Saturday morning. That will be uh, February 27th at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, 12 noon Central on Saturday the 27th. And I know I have a lot of UK listeners, so for you all that will be 6 p.m. Uh, Saturday, February 27th. If you're in the UK, that will be 6 p.m. London time. Uh, this Saturday should be very interesting. Uh, I posted the descriptions already up. You can go to counter-racism.com and you can read about what she has been experiencing uh, on the other side uh, of the planet under the system of white supremacy. Very interesting, but she'll be here on Saturday. Before that, uh, this Friday, February 26th, uh, I believe Lauren Ashley, victim of racism, white supremacy, uh, she'll be hanging out. We'll be having a uh, discussion uh, about black people specifically not being honest uh, and how that reflects uh, our pathetic situation in the system of racism, white supremacy. That'll be Friday. Uh, I believe we're going to go Friday at, uh, it'll be a late one, so I guess if you're on the East Coast, this will be Saturday morning, 2 a.m., 
Uh, if you're Central, this will be Saturday morning, 1 a.m., and if you are Pacific, uh, that will be Friday at 11 p.m., so late show, Friday night, uh, tune in. Lauren Ashley will be chatting, should be uh, constructive. Uh, definitely thank you to uh, – this show has a heavy East Coast fan base. I, I have noted that, so I try to always give the East Coast time first because it does seem like we have a lot more uh, folks listening on the East Coast. Uh, so definitely thank you for supporting uh, way over there. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, and we do have a lot of California listeners as well. So everybody listening in California, thank you. Love the Golden State. Woohoo. Um, that's going to wrap it up. I hope the program has been constructive. Uh, 100th broadcast uh, here from Blog Talk Radio for the Cows Context of White Supremacy. Justice's email address, justice.asap at yahoo.com. One more time, justice.asap at yahoo.com. Please shoot her an email. Uh, I believe she'll be back for uh, this weekend's programs. Uh, but shoot her an email. Let her know you missed her and uh, hope she's doing well. Uh, I'm going to make sure as I sign off, I'm going to make sure I do the Will Smith again because I thought that was very important and I missed the film. Uh, Will Smith, just looking at some of his films, you can do this. Go on Internet Movie Database. Uh, iRobot, uh, he does not get the girl. He does not have a girlfriend. He does not have offspring. All he has is a grandmother, Manny figure, who uh, is in the kitchen the whole time pretty much baking pies. Uh, and he pretty much sulks for the duration of the film about the white girl who died. The robot jumped in the water to save him and not the white girl that he pretty much sulks about this for the duration of the film. Uh, that is iRobot. Uh, pursuit of happiness, uh, the woman leaves him, poverty, nothing. He's sleeping on the floor in a bathroom with his offspring. Uh, it does turn out better for him. He does get a job. But I pointed out consistently that uh, for most black males, victims of racism, white supremacy, uh, that story is uh, going to be pretty far removed from their reality. But that is pursuit of happiness. Uh, bad boys, again, highlighting boys, not men, bad boys, with Martin Lawrence. Uh, famous for not only uh, his sitcom playing Shanene, a black female, but also Big Mama's House. Um, Will Smith, keeping it going, seven pounds. Uh, basically, he, uh, the, the film is resolved with him committing suicide, killing himself so that he might aid uh, the other folks in the film, most of whom were white people, uh, certainly much lighter, not black people. Um, I am legend film again resolved with Will Smith killing himself so that the white people might live and prosper. Hancock uh, film is resolved with uh, Will Smith, the black male, leaving planet Earth. Uh, he is on the moon uh, so that the white woman and white man can enjoy their lives and have uh, a successful and happy relationship. Um, and definitely the uh, creme de la creme Six Degrees of Separation. Make sure you watch that film uh, because you will actually get to see uh, Will Smith engaging in homosexual behavior. Let me make sure I repeat that because I know some of you all are younger and miss this film. Uh, I'll actually give you a moment in racism as I sign off. Uh, I found out about this film uh, when I got focused on sexual intercourse between white people and non-white people. I just started going around and asking people, um, can you think of some films where you see sexual intercourse between white people and non-white people? And at first, folks said, well, I can't think of anything. I can't think of anything. And then gradually it became, oh, wait a minute. Yeah, I can. Such and such and such and such and such and such. Uh, I had one black male I told 
And at first he said, I couldn't think of any. I can't think of any. After a while, he had boatloads. And, I mean, he just kept – every time I saw him, he'd be like, oh, yeah, and this one and this one and this one. He told me about six degrees of separation, and he put an asterisk on that one, like, you've got to watch this one, Gus. This is crazy. He's with a white man. It's graphic. You can see it. Oh, uh, make sure you watch that one, Six Degrees of Separation, Will Smith. That was, the, that was the film that launched his big movie career. A lot of white people say that. That film came out in the early 90s, Six Degrees of Separation. Make sure you watch that film. Uh, but that's just Will Smith's career in addition to all the other folks that we named. Um, yeah, I hope it's been constructive. Uh, please check out uh, Cree's site, Counter racist evolving engineer uh her blog is cree7.wordpress.com very constructive program here at blog talk radio uh please check out uh back of the bus nonwhitealliance.wordpress.com again nonwhitealliance.wordpress.com uh, thank you, everybody, for tuning in. I'm going to double-check because I think people have been uh, sending me messages to make sure I'm not supposed to say anything before I sign off. Um, do, 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 uh, I think, yes, I can. Yes, okay. No messages. I can sign off comfortably. Uh, Lauren Ashley and Gusty Renegade will be here on Friday. Um, if you're on the East Coast, that will be Saturday morning, 2 a.m., if you're on the West Coast, that'll be Friday evening, 11 p.m. Uh, replace the system of racism, white supremacy, with a system of justice as soon as possible. And, uh, yeah, I'm going to play this again to make sure we get as much constructive information as possible before the program goes out. Um, yeah, I'll end with this one. Please forgive the noise. I'll end with this one and, uh, yeah, call it a program. The most impotent uh, creature in the form of a person on this planet is a black male, period, no matter where on the planet they are. The most powerless person is a black male. The most powerless person on the planet in the form of a person is a black male person. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.